Welcome to the Red Door Church Sermon Podcast. Red Door Church is a church seeking to transform the city of Pretoria by the power of the gospel. We are distinctly mission-minded, community-cultivating, and city-loving. Please enjoy this week's sermon, and don't forget to follow and continue the conversation by sharing with those around you. You know me, but yeah, my name is Jeff, as Renki said, and it's good to be with you guys this morning. Um, It's a privilege to fellowship with you and worship with you and and open the word together this morning. Um, I want to introduce my family as well. This is uh, my tribe, the Fulunes, and uh, I am married to one wife, Kristen, um, and then we have three lovely boys, Asher, Mason, and Jesse. My eldest actually woke up this morning a little bit sick, and so they're not going to be able to join us this morning so we thought it was wise that they would stay, stay behind. But um, yeah, I work with Campus Outreach and I serve there as the director of Campus Outreach in South Africa. This is our team. Um, I think we're about 26 staff that's actually divided into three teams. And so a core value of Campus Outreach is to be under the authority of the local church. And so we've got three teams um, the CO Tux team that works with you guys here under the authority of Red Door Church. And then we have the CO Vitz team that works under the authority of Rosebank Union Church in Johannesburg. And then we have the CO uh, UJ team that works under the authority of Branston Bible Church in Johannesburg. And uh, yeah, like I said, we want to be under the authority of the local church. That means we don't want to operate as a parachurch organization that is outside or disconnected from the local church, but everything that you does, we want it to be under the authority and rooted under the, the local church. And so I'm really excited about um, the partnership we have with Red Door, with Branston Bible Church, Rosebank Union Church, as these churches have stepped into the role as, as local hub church owners of the ministry. And it's been such a joy to serve alongside the three churches and really excited about our partnership with Red Door. Uh, as I was preparing for this message, I was looking at the, the mission statement of Red Door and the distinctives, um, and uh, Rankies was going to make, make me make you guys take a test this morning to see who knows this, uh, but I said, no, don't do that, um, so I'm just going to put it up here as a reminder for you guys, but yeah, Red Door exists to glorify God by making faithful disciples who are committed to seeing the redemptive, restorative, renewing work of the gospel in people's lives and in their communities. Red Door is distinctly mission-minded, community-cultivating, and city-loving. And uh, as I was looking at this, I just was reminded of the the great alignment that exists between CEO and Red Door and and all these churches. And that's just so critical for this, for Campus Outreach to work and do what it does on the campus under the authority of the local church. There has to be alignment. And so I was just looking at this and, and just encouraged and excited about the alignment that exists between CO and the church. And our hearts as campus archers, we want to see God move on the campus in the lives of students so that we can see this transformative, renewing, redemptive work of the gospel begin, start in the hearts of, of our students on the campus. Um, but here's the thing, that work that renewing, restoring, redemptive work, that's a process. 
It's a lifelong process. It's a journey that goes beyond the campus. And so anything that we do on the campus with students, you know, we have three years, four, five, six, for some that take a longer journey through there. But it's just this renewing, um, restorative work of the gospel just begins there. And so we get those very formative stages at the university with students. But if that process is going to continue then that's where the local church is critical. And that's why this alignment, this partnering under the local church authority is critical for us. So I wanted to put Red Door's mission statement up there for two reasons. One, just to show the alignment between Red Door and CO. Um, But also uh, because I think our passage this morning really speaks to this mission statement. Um, What we're going to see as we unpack the the, the, the passage this morning is, is there's these core characteristics um, that God uses or that, that's, that characterizes a gospel-advancing missional community. And a lot of those principles you will see expressed in this mission statement. And so I put it up there. One, to encourage and affirm you guys, don't lose sight of that mission statement. Okay, it's a good one. It's a good one to go after and to, to keep asking God Make us a community like that so that we can see the gospel advance in the city, in our country. Um, And then um, I also hope that as we unpack the passage that you'll see, hear God challenging you to to intentionally build your life around these core characteristics. It's going to take intentionality. It's going to take fight, resolve to really see these characteristics um, become true of this community so that this mission statement that you guys have put out as Red Door would come to fruition in greater and fuller ways. So that's my hope and prayer this morning as we dive into um, our passage um, that this, this is where we're going. Before we go jump into the passage though, I want to zoom out a little bit. Um, I want to get some context so that that can help us really frame as we zoom in and we go into chapter 18. Okay, so just by way of, this might be revision. I know you guys have been going through the book of Acts. So as we zoom out, I hope this could be even some helpful revision if you step back a little bit and see the bigger picture of what's, what's going on um, in the book of Acts. So by way of context then, uh, remember that the book of Acts is, it's a collection, it's a two-part collection of the writings of Luke. Okay, so Luke, the author, he writes part one or part A, the first installment, which is the gospel according to Luke. And then the second part um, is this, is the book of Acts, or it's known as the Acts of the Apostles. Um, And we know this because of Acts chapter one, verse one, where Luke refers back to his first, to the gospel account, okay? In verse one, he says this, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So in the first book, in the gospel according to Luke, he deals with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So because chapter 1 and verse 1 is an introduction to the, to the book of Acts, we can, we can then deduce that, that the purpose of the book of Acts is, is Luke telling the story of what Jesus is continuing to do and teach. 
So if in his first book is what Jesus began to do, then the book of Acts is telling the story of what, what Jesus is continuing to do and teach. And he is doing this, we are told in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, that primarily God is doing this through the agency and the power of the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit con- works through the people of God, you and me, Christians, the church, to be witnesses, as Ranky said, sent ones, to advance the gospel in God's world. Okay, that's what the book of Acts is about. This continuing work of the gospel advancing by the power of the Spirit through the church to be witnesses. And then to see this gospel advance, as Acts 1.8 puts it, through Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so this Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, this then forms the structure of the whole book of Acts. You can, that's the framework. That's what he follows. Chapters 2 through 7 focuses on the movement of the gospel throughout Jerusalem. Chapters 8 through 12 focuses on the gospel movement, the gospel advancing through the region of Judea and Samaria. And then chapters 13 through 28 is, the, um, is Luke telling the story of how the gospel is then now advancing uh, to the ends of the earth as it now begins to reach the far corners of the Roman Empire. And then chapters 29, just testing to see if you guys are still with me, still awake this morning. Um, There's no Acts chapter 29, but the point is this, okay? The point is that this story of the gospel advancing, continuing to move throughout the ends of the earth, okay, does not end with chapter 28. That's not where the story ends. That Gospel, that same gospel is still advancing today through the same Holy Spirit who's at work through the church even today through the people of God, you and me, to be these witnesses to the world. So Acts 29 is this chapter, the one that is still being written. So in essence, what we have in the book of Acts are these examples of these early church believers as the gospel is advancing, um, then we see these core principles that I, that I think Luke wants us to look back and, and to imitate, to glean from, to learn from, and to imitate. But not copy and paste imitate, like, because um, we are not Jewish Christians. Oh, well, I'm not. I don't know about you guys. Um, we are not, um, you know, Roman Greeks in the, in the, the early church times. We're not from that culture and time. But these principles are still at work today. And, and, and I know the last couple of weeks you guys have been looking at contextualization and what does that mean. But these principles need to be applied relevantly to our culture and context today. So that's what we're going to do as we dive into chapter 18. We're going we're to look what are some of these key characteristics, these principles, that we ought to model our lives after and to imitate even today. So as we dive now into chapter 18, um, that falls in that the latter chapters of the book of Acts. Um, and as the gospel is advancing through to the ends of the earth. Okay? And this section is known as Paul's missionary journeys. And so it traces the three major missionary journeys as Paul was taking the gospel to the far corners of the Roman Empire. Um, and our chapter... 
kind of falls on the back end of um, Paul's second missionary journey. And the bulk of this is really in the city of Corinth. And so that's where we see the, the church in Corinth planted. Um, we know a little bit more about this church from the, the, the two letters that Paul writes to the Corinthian church. There were more letters, but we have two of them that's in our New Testament um, Bibles today. And so this is the, the beginning. This is how this, this church in Corinth was, was planted and how it started. This is the, the narrative account of how, of how this happened. Um, and so we're going to be looking at what can we learn from this. Paul spent, we are told, a year and six months in Corinth. Now that's longer than any of the other places um, that Paul spent in his second missionary journey. And so I think there's a lot there for us to kind of glean from and learn from and see some of these characteristics and then model our lives after. So that's where we go. And there's four characteristics um, of a gospel-advancing missional community that I think it would be good for us to think about and really ponder this morning. If you're taking notes, they are number one, communal. That's the first characteristic. Second characteristic is missional. The third characteristic is enduring or persevering faith. And then the fourth characteristic is spirit-led. Okay, so communal, missional, enduring or persevering, and spirit-led. Okay, characteristic number one, communal or community. Okay, as we read through this passage, and we heard Nami struggle through the names, but I want you to take note of a lot of the names that we saw um, in this section, in this, in this passage. Aquila and Priscilla, we know from Romans and some other letters that they become really prominent um, leaders in the early church. This is where Paul meets them um, in Corinth. You have Silas and Timothy, close companions, disciples of Paul, also very prominent in the movement, in this gospel movement, key leaders um, and beloved brothers, um, Timothy, Paul calls a son in the faith. Titius Justice, he owned the house next to the synagogue. Um, and we know that, we see in this passage that, that the, the, the Jews begin to reject the gospel. And so Paul kind of changes his strategy. He says, I come and go to the Gentiles. And so Titius Justice's house becomes the church. Uh, it becomes the, the house that hosts the, the Corinthian church. Um, Crispus is a synagogue ruler. Him and his family become believers. Sosthenes, also synagogue ruler. He gets brought in front of the proconsul, um, Gallio, and he's beaten there for his faith. And so we see these, these names. And so the point here that I'm trying to make is that the gospel advancing, it wasn't just through Paul. Okay? I know a lot of emphasis is given to Paul as the apostle, the great apostle, the great missionary that takes the gospel to, to the Gentiles. And this is even known, this passage of scripture, this, this section of scripture in Acts is known as Paul's missionary journeys. But we can easily overlook the fact that, the, that gospel advancement is a community project. It's a team initiative. Paul could not have done what he did alone. Okay, like... The community of believers, these names, they were critical to the movement. 
Or another way to say it is, is that this is the way that God advances the gospel in a particular place. It's through these missional communities. It's not a one-man show. It's not a one-man Rambo Christian type person that God uses. So, revealing my age there, I know Rambo. Probably nobody knows Rambo. Um, Chuck Norris? No Chuck Norris? Okay, even there. Okay, I'm t- that's millennial. Gen Z, you've got to go Gen Z. Avengers, can't go wrong with the, There's no Iron Man Christians, okay? Can't go wrong with the Avengers. So, this, that's, not, that's not who Paul was. He wasn't a Rambo, Chuck Norris, Iron Man type missionary apostle that did it alone. He wasn't that kind of mission. And that's not the kinds of people that God uses to advance the gospel in a place. It's a community. It's a team. And Paul understood this and he valued community. You see this over and over in his letters. How often does he thank the Lord for these men and women, the, the Aquilas and the Priscillas, the Silases and the Timothys, the Sosthenes, the Crispuses. Like, um, Paul deeply valued this community. We're told in, in the... In the Corinthian letters, Paul says that when he came to Corinth, he was not in a good space. Okay, he came in weakness. He was struggling. And there he met fellow believers, Aquila and Priscilla. He ends up living with them. They give him a place to stay. And then he works together with them. They were also tent makers. And so they probably had a business there in Corinth. And so Paul applies his trade of a tent maker, a leather worker there with them. Paul needed these kinds of believers and fellow co-laborers in the gospel for him to be able to do what he did. And I'm sure as fellow believers, they encouraged Paul. Um, They worked together. They kept him on mission. They supported his work, not only here in Corinth, but even in other places as, as Paul went out to other cities. Okay, The gospel advancing is a community project. It's a together thing. It's a team. So then by way of application (coughs) is fight for community. Fight for community. Friends, we live in in such an individualistic culture. That's more and more, (coughs) excuse me, promotes this culture, individualistic culture, more and more promotes isolation and independence. Friends, this will not lead to gospel power and gospel advancement. The natural flow of our culture is towards individualism, isolation, and independence. And so we must fight against that culture. We must be intentional. Community is not just going to happen. Our lives are busy. Okay, It's easy for us to kind of stay at home and with technology and on your social media and There's so much sports that can just keep us busy, at least for me, or series or whatever your poison is, that that just promotes us to be isolated and kind of insular, ingrown. If we are going to be a community like what we see principally laid out for us here in chapter 18, we have to fight for it, we have to be intentional. It has to be a core value for us. If we are going to be healthy, vibrant, and effective, fruitful Christians in the city. Community. The second characteristic is missional. 
What do I mean by missional? Two things. Gospel proclaiming and gospel discipling. Missional has become a popular term these days in Christian circles and church circles. We have to be missional. We have to be missional. What does it mean to be missional? It's these two things. Gospel proclaiming and gospel discipling. Look at verse 4 and 5 with me. And he, this is Paul, reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. What does it mean to be missional? A missional community means gospel proclaiming. Paul, Aquila, Priscilla, Silas, Timothy and others, okay, they were engaging lost people where they lived, where they worked, and where they played. They were on mission. There was, an, there was an agenda. There was intention behind the way that they lived, around their neighbors, where they worked as tent makers, okay, and on their spare time. On the Sabbath, where did Paul go? He went to the synagogue. Why? To engage Jews and Greeks with the gospel. So Paul worked. Yes, he was a, a, a hard labor tradesman making tents and leather. Um, but him, Aquila, Priscilla, they used this as a means to advance the gospel. They were missional. There was a lot of intention behind every action. Okay? They were not just meeting together, singing kumbayas in a holy huddle in their home. They were not ingrown and insular. But a characteristic that marked this community was their active mission and proclaiming the word. They were engaging lost people. They were making friends, building relationships where they lived, worked, and played, and they were sharing the gospel, proclaiming the gospel message to those unbelievers. And what did God do in Corinth? Many, we are told, came to faith in the city of Corinth because of this missional community. The second part is not just... uh, What it means to be on mission is not just proclaiming the gospel. It's not just evangelism. It's also gospel discipling. Look at verse 23 with me in our passage. After spending some time there, Paul departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Strengthening all the disciples. Now, this is often an an underrated characteristic of Paul's ministry. Often, we tend to think of Paul's apostolic ministry as this Billy Graham, Angus Buchan type evangelist uh, that just went around from city to city, proclaiming the gospel, lots of new converts, and then he goes off to the next place and does the same thing and then to the next place. We can often think of Paul as that type of evangelist. And having that kind of ministry. And as we saw in our previous point that yes, Paul did proclaim the gospel. But his emphasis was always raising up mature disciples. Always raising up mature disciples. We see this in his letters to the Corinthians. Thank you, Nemi. I don't know if it's going to help. We see this in his, in his letters to the Corinthians, um, that Paul made countless visits to the Corinthian church. 
And <clears throat> we know that the, his, his letters are addressing some, some discipleship issues in the church. Okay? He toiled, he labored very hard to see this community mature in Christ. And so he speaks to them addressing issues and speaking into specific things regarding the growth and sanctification of these believers. A, a great example we see in, is in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 to 29. Paul writes this. He says, Him we proclaim, warning everybody and teaching everybody with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Verse 29, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For what purpose was Paul toiling and laboring? To present everyone mature in Christ. That was the goal. And as Paul went around and he shared the gospel, that's what he wanted to see. Mature believers, discipled in Christ. So by way of application, friends, is fight to proclaim the gospel and fight to make disciples. This is what it means to be missional. It's not just share the gospel, share the gospel, share the gospel, share the gospel, mass evangelism, um, a mile wide, an inch deep as the saying goes. It is gospel pro proclamation but also with an emphasis of discipling, seeing believers mature and grow in Christ. This was a core characteristic of a gospel advancing missional community that we see in Acts chapter 18 and, and throughout the book of Acts. It's both a widening of the gospel going further out but not sacrificing the depth of believers growing in Christ. It's both a widening and a deepening and that we always have to keep that balance. How are we widening the gospel, bringing others into this community but also deepening growing each other in Christ. You guys still with me? Those two characteristics, communal and missional. Okay, characteristic number three is enduring or persevering faith. Enduring or persevering faith in the midst of opposition. Look at verses five and six with me. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, when they opposed and reviled Paul, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. A common theme throughout the whole Bible really but definitely in the New Testament, an act is this theme of opposition to the gospel. As the gospel is advancing from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the world, um, there will be opposition. And we see here in this passage, the, the type of opposition that, that Paul faced was his own people, the Jews, rejecting the gospel message. And just... For a moment, put your, put your feet in Paul's shoes for a moment. Your own people that he, you see this theme, every city that he goes to, he goes to the synagogue and he, he obviously felt a responsibility, a burden to share the gospel with the Jews. 
and yeah, they reject him. And in this passage, you can kind of sense a little bit of, of Paul's frustration as they reject the gospel and they reject him. They revile him. And then they even go on the offensive. They try to get Paul arrested. They bring him to the Roman governor of the province, of the area, of the region. And they try to get him arrested or worse. Um, and so he faces great opposition. And we see that all throughout the book um, of Acts. Not only Paul, but Sosthenes, the, the ruler of the synagogue. He gets brought before the Roman um, proconsul, Gallio, and they beat him. They beat him in front of the, the Roman proconsul, and he's suffering for his, for his faith. And so through this opposition, what do we see? This, is a, this characteristic that we see in this, this community is that they, they persevere. They don't stop. They don't, they don't remain silent. They are faithful. They keep persevering. And what does God do? He blesses this and many people come to faith even in the midst of great opposition to the gospel. The gospel advances. And it's actually this, this enduring, persevering faith that becomes a powerful evangelistic witness to the lost world. And so the encouragement for us, friends, is to... to grow i like to call it gospel grit that's what i tell my boys all the time we have this full yun motto we say full yun boys don't quit we keep on trying and what i'm trying to help teach them there is is to develop gospel grit perseverance enduring not just giving up when things get tough when when it's not comfortable anymore when the road is a little bit bumpy when you're facing some opposition some resistance don't give up. Believe the gospel. Hold fast to the word. Be faithful. Be witnesses. Share your faith in the midst of opposition. And God blesses that. And we see the advancement of the gospel through opposition. It's a key theme throughout the whole book of Acts. We also see that Paul stays here in Corinth a year and six months. A year and six months. He endures through this, through this opposition. His own people rejecting him. He doesn't quit. He doesn't give up. He doesn't shrink into the fetal position in the ball in the corner and cry. He keeps on. He presses on. Um, he labors and we have the Corinthian church. That's what happens. Application, friends, is... What did I say? Develop gospel grit. Develop gospel grit. As you labor faithfully in the city. One of you guys, one of the distinctives of Red Door is to be city loving. To be city loving, you're going to need some gospel grit. It's not always comfortable. It's not always convenient to love the city. We can easily face with opposition, with ESCOM and load shedding and water interruptions and potholes and uh, you name it, crime. It's... it's South Africa, we can easily, as Christians, we can become very negative and cynical and sour. Um, and, and that's the opposite of loving the city, leaning in. And so it's going to, you're going to need some gospel grit 
to persevere and to endure in the face of um, inconvenience and opposition so that the gospel can advance in Pretoria. Amen? So the call here, friends, is to remain faithful, to persevere, to endure. And as we do this, I believe it will be one of our most powerful tools of witness and what God will use to advance the gospel through us in the city of Pretoria. But if we become just like the world and we become cynical, negative people, what's the difference there? But as we seek to press in and love and not be okay with all the, the different things that's wrong with the country, but not become cynical and sour and negative Christians, but city-loving. Okay, lastly, we're almost at the end. Um, the last characteristic is spirit-led. Spirit-led. Look at verses 9 and 10. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. And he has the key part of the verse. For I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in the city who are my people. Now I left this characteristic for last, not because it's the least important, but rather I believe it's the exact opposite. I think it's the most important characteristic of the four as it, as it plays a crucial role in all the other characteristics that we just talked about. The Holy Spirit is the major theme of the book of Acts. It's the Holy Spirit's indwelling presence in believers that enables, equips, and empowers the church to be these faithful witnesses. So it's the, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that's really infused into all these other characteristics. So, for example, to be communal, to fight to be in community, to fight against the natural current of the individualistic, isolated, independent culture is only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. To fight for community and to have that as a core characteristic of Red Door Church is going to take a work of the Spirit to prioritize that in your life. To be on mission, to proclaim the gospel, okay, Gospel evangelism and gospel discipleship is primarily a work of the Spirit because we cannot change sinful hearts. Okay? We are agents of God. We are these sent ones, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit um, that changes the hearts of people, that sanctifies and grows people in the faith. And then gospel grit. There's no amount of fleshly um, desire and motivation that's going to get you through the opposition that we face in this world. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that causes you to continue to persevere and to endure and to press on in the gospel. So the Holy Spirit is the agent, is the power behind all of these other characteristics and therefore it is the most important. We see this in Paul's life, okay? He is led and guided by the Holy Spirit all through this chapter. When he lands in Corinth and he's at a low point, um, 
coming out of his previous leg of his missionary journey, he arrives in Corinth and he's not in a great place. And who does the Holy Spirit lead him to? Aquila and Priscilla. And there he finds these fellow believers that encourages him and they stay together, this, this community, um, and the gospel goes on. The Lord brings Silas and Timothy from Macedonia and we told commentators later on that they say that Silas and Timothy actually bring some financial support to Paul from the surrounding churches and Paul is then able to more exclusively do the work of the gospel and he kind of steps away from his tent making business and he's allowed to be more focused on the gospel in that season. Silas and Timothy, close brothers, disciples of Paul, all right, it's like reinforcement coming and the Holy Spirit kind of is behind all of this. Um, it's the Holy Spirit that helps Paul navigate some tricky situations in ministry. Like, when is it okay to kick the dust off of your feet? When is it okay? Now I've been, I've been sharing my faith with this person for months now. When do you make that? When do you persevere? When do you continue? When do you take a step back? How do you navigate? It's through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. There's no blueprint for that. There's no three months, and if, they don't, if you don't see any progress... Leave them. There's no manual for that. It's the Holy Spirit. We've got to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Paul, yeah, um, in previous places, so I think chapter 17, you guys looked at this. Um, opposition arose for Paul, and that he actually had to be evacuated out of the city like at night. That's how intense things were getting, and they had to, the, the believers there kind of snuck them out of the city at night to save their lives. Now you can imagine this is happening again here in Corinth. And Paul, Silas, Timothy, you can just hear them saying, oh, yeah, we go again. Like, let's start the evacuation procedure. It's time for us to go. But what happens? Okay, the Holy Spirit comes to Paul uh, in a vision and tells him, don't run. You, you had to run last time, but to this time I'm asking you to stay. Okay, stay. Don't be silent. Don't be afraid. Go on speaking. Nobody's going to harm you. That doesn't mean that nobody, there's not going to be opposition. We see that there's a lot of, he says nobody's going to harm you. You'll be okay because I am with you. Because I am with you. Now that's, that I am with you. That's the phrase that as we read that, it should jog our memory, Okay. Think of the context of Acts now. It's the gospel advancing to the ends of the earth. All right, and every gospel account, so the four gospel narratives, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of them follow a similar pattern. At, and at the end of the gospel, there's always a commissioning, a sending out to the world. And in that commissioning, there's always this phrase, in some form or another, I am with you. Think of Matthew 28, the Great Commission. The phrase, and I will be with you to the end of the age. That's the promise, friends, of the power of the Holy Spirit that we ought to hold on to and build our lives on. We need to be people that are spirit-led. It's the promise and truth, this promise and truth that God's Paul directs him to stay in Corinth and not to flee. The Spirit guides Paul when to kick the dust off his feet, when to endure, 
when to labor on, when to continue to minister, and when to, to leave. This is an important point by way of application for us, friends, because, and Red Door is a new church plant, I'm sure can resonate with this. We like to make plans and strategies and tactics to advance the gospel. And, and then COVID hits. And then what happens to our plans? We've got to be spirit-led. That's when we come back to the spirit and say, guide us in this, this uh, the game has changed. The rules have changed. We need to be dependent on the spirit. So by way of application, hold on to and build your life and ministry on the promise and power of the Holy Spirit. Living in, striving for, and fighting to live deeply connected within missional communities cannot be done in our own strength. The individualistic, isolated, independent culture that we live in will sweep us away apart from the power of the Holy Spirit that enables and empowers us to go against the grain of this culture and to fight to live in community with an intentional purpose to love God, love one another, and bring others to faith. Proclaiming the gospel and discipling believers cannot be done in the power of the flesh. Dependence on the Holy Spirit is critical to boldly proclaiming the gospel and for the work of evangelism and discipleship. Friends, in our own strength, in our own flesh, we will quit. We will shy away. We will shrink back. But in the power of the Spirit, He will cause us to persevere, to endure, to be faithful. No matter what the opposition is that we face. So we must be a people who are deeply dependent on the, on the power of the Holy Spirit. We must be a people of deep prayer, continually and perpetually turning to the Lord in everything for guidance, for strength, for wisdom, so that we can be faithful witnesses, so that we can see the gospel advance. Amen? So conclude, concluding, uh, I want to put up Red Door's mission statement. I hope you can see those four characteristics it's kind of infused into this mission statement. Can you guys see it? Okay. Missional community, city loving, um, mission minded. All of that is, is, is capturing some of these principles. So Red Door exists to glorify God by making faithful disciples who are committed to seeing the redemptive, restorative and renewing work of the gospel in people's lives and in their communities. Red Door distinctives are mission-minded, community-cultivating, and city-loving. So it's my prayer that as you guys seek to live this out, that God in the power of the Spirit may cause you to be a people characterized by community, by mission, proclaiming the gospel, discipling believers, Enduring and persevering in the midst of opposition and to be spirit-led. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that even today that your gospel is advancing. That even today your spirit is at work. And that through the church, Lord, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you advance in the gospel um, throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. 
And so, Lord, I pray for all of us here this morning that we would be a people characterized by community, by mission, by persevering faith, and by being dependent on the Holy Spirit. Um, Lord, we confess that often the flow of the world, the culture that moves us away from these characteristics can be overpowering at times, Lord. And so I pray that you would show us the specific ways in which, um, Lord, we need to change. Specific places where we need to be intentional about building community in our life. Um, Specific ways that we can be more intentional about uh, reaching our lost friends and neighbors and colleagues. To be intentional about sharing the gospel with these lost people. Lord, show us specific ways um, where we can be persevering, loving our city, loving our neighbors, leaning in. Lord, keep us from being pessimistic and cynical and, and sour in light of the opposition and in light of the, the difficulties that we often face as, as South Africans. Lord, and finally, I pray that you would cause us to be a, a people that is always deeply connected, built on Uh, the power and promise of the Holy Spirit. For He indwells us, Lord, uh, prevents us from quenching the Spirit and pushing Him into the corner in our lives, Lord, but but rather help us to have a a vibrant day-to-day relationship, fellowship with the Holy Spirit as He leads and guides us through all of life. And Lord, we know we cannot do this in our own strength, and so we, we ask, Lord, would you do this? Would you cause Red Door to be Um, this mission-minded, community-cultivating, city-loving community where the gospel advances in Pretoria, in the the, uh, province of Gauteng, the country of South Africa, the continent of Africa, and your world, God. We want to see the gospel advance. We pray this um, for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.